0: Welcome to the Million Vegan Grandmothers Podcast, and today I'm so honored to have Amit come here, here with me. Silesh Rao was touring the UK and India recently. You know Silesh, whom Amit just absolutely adores, and many of us do. And he said, "This is a man you would love to interview." He said, "It's very interesting. He has um." He made kind of a picky promise to his daughters, like I made to yeah. my my granddaughter. So welcome, Amit. Thank you for being here.
1: It's my pleasure. I'm I'm glad to be associated with you. Yes, <laughs> here today.
0: Well, you know, A S million vegan grandmothers, the grandmothers of all, all across the planet are people who love, 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 love their grandchildren, the children, and they they some of us have a wise presence in our communities. And I truly believe when I founded the million vegan grandmothers is that if the grandmothers, the matriarchs of all cultures can tell their families, Hey, I am not going to let you die of disease and death and destruction. I am going to help you go vegan. If every grandmother of every community said this, the world would be vegan in no time because they are called grandmothers of your, of your world. In India, do the do the grandmothers have a say in what gets, what what foods go down in the household? Absolutely.
1: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It does. Yes. I'm fortunate to be born in a vegetarian family. Okay. And uh, yes, at my uh, father's side, my grandmother, she never even tasted uh, onion or garlic as well. And she lived a healthy life without any animal products, and she lived till her 90s, a very healthy life. And my mom's side, also my grandmother, yes, she, she was also vegetarian and lived a healthy life.
0: Yes. So were they vegan or vegetarian?
1: Vegetarian.
0: Okay, yes, right. but in India,
1: vegetarian uh, includes dairy, but no eggs. Yeah, right. No potatoes, like,
0: yeah. And there's been a couple documentaries recently, Mother's Milk, uh, McAdoo, and um, oh, the other one's slipping me. The land of Ahimsa. Land and of Ahimsa Dali, yeah. Dairy is not Ahimsa. So I think that we're going to see a lot more vegans in India.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes. So it was a shock for me as well. Uh, well, speaking of my grandmother's back then, they were not really so much of uh, dairy consumption. Uh, it used to be occasionally on special days when there's some uh, sweet or dessert to be made out of. And uh, that too, it used to be local ingredients, not really fancy milk and milk products. Right? Uh, people knew a lot of recipes. And uh, I think after the Dairy Revolution or the white Operation White Flood is what they call it in India, uh, dairy was everywhere. So, uh, And uh, sorry, <laughs> I interrupted you.
0: Well, it was just, it was interesting how dairy got pushed in every culture. I mean, it was, it was every culture where they started heavily promoting dairy products. And there was a reason for that. And, and one of the things we're going to talk about today is, is I think as you worded it was the right kind of no is better than the wrong kind of yes. And when we all start saying no to dairy, because we understand that there's no such thing as a dairy anywhere. The right yes. there's no there's really no such thing as the holy cow um right. you know they're wandering, starving, harmed, you know so then we start to look at the right yeses and we start to accelerate the yeses in our life. So one of the things I'd love to talk about because I love to talk about children and your children are four and six. my grandkids are four until this weekend my granddaughter's four oh. I love dearly I'm deeply connected okay. with her. <laughs> And my grandson is seven. I have another grandchild who's 10. And i they're not being raised vegan. So when they're mm-hmm. with me, they get to ask all the questions. I bring that to the family. It's like, well, when Oma takes care of you, we eat vegan. And this is why I eat vegan. And it all started when a, my grandson invited me out for a hamburger. Mm-hmm. And I said he was three and a half. And his grandfather took him out for a hamburger. And he thought we should try that. Okay. And I said, no, I don't eat cows. And he goes, Oma, it's not a cow. It's a hamburger. Mm -hmm. He was kind of mad at me a little bit. And I said, no, it's a cow, actually, you know, and it has eyes and it has feelings and it has babies and Oma doesn't eat cows. So he pondered on that at three years old for about a month. And then he came back to me and told me that um, he told his dad and his dad wasn't very happy with me. And I said the same thing, cause you call Silesh kind of your grew And, and I said the same thing Silesh says is I'm not going to, I told Kamaya I would never lie to her. And I said that it's that, it's that simple. I don't have to argue with my son-in-law. I just have to say, I'm not going to lie to my grandchildren. They need to be able to trust me and I need to tell them the truth. And then that went over pretty well. And now I can have conversations with them. And I think it's really important. And that is where I decided to start a foundation of the grandmothers coming together, because there's a lot of grandmothers in our community that have been vegan for 40, 50 years, like Judy Carmen, who wrote the book Homo Ahimsa, who we really are and how we're going to save the world. And her grandchildren aren't being raised vegan. So we only have so much influence over our grandchildren, but we have a great influence with our love over the world. So I would love to hear you talk a little bit about your daughters you had talked about um what motivated you to to teach them the right yeses and to live um sustainable and as minimalists
1: oh yes i would love to share that (laughs) i i heard this term veganism for the first time in 2004 when uh, Pita came to my college and uh, i was studying commercial art so we used to do a lot of paintings and uh, the paint brushes, where the bristles were made out of animal hair, is what they had come to tell us. I said, "Okay, fine. We could change the paint brushes, and those uh, with animal hair would uh, quickly deteriorate." And uh, so they suggested opt for silicon uh, bristles. One, they last longer. Fine, makes a fair deal. Then they started talking about animal usage or abuse in other industries, right? Uh, They told us about poultry and meat. Um, And I was like, fine, I I don't consume that. I'm still okay. Uh, Then they talked about fashion industry because my college was about uh, commercial arts and fashion technology, leather uh, shoes and leather accessories. So I never really wasn't into leather. Fine. Uh, Then they talked about the milk, dairy industry. And I was shocked because whatever they showed on the slides, It wasn't that heavy graphic, but uh, it was making sense because I was 17 back then. I was learning about human reproductive systems and everything. So I knew how babies are born. Uh, I I was understanding the emotions of a mother. uh, And it made complete sense that a mother gives milk or her body generates milk only for her babies. And no other species uh, take milk from any other animals and then we are the only ones who do that and uh, I could relate to it but I was shocked because why didn't my parents tell me this or I thought maybe they don't know about it so I went home from college and yeah so there were obviously a lot of questions with us which people had answered very well Um, born in vegetarian family question of nutrition comes in first So they had all the slides prepared. They had cricketers back then who were consuming soya milk um, and taking plant-based proteins uh, in 2004, which is, again, a niche product market in there. And uh, I went home. I told my parents. Today, PETA had come to our college, and uh, they told us about swapping these brushes because there's animal Cruelty involved, and I have decided I'm not going to contribute to animal cruelty anymore. And my parents were proud of me. They said, Wow, okay, we'll do that. We'll buy you new brushes. Then we sat for dinner and then there was dairy products in it. I said, sorry, this is not allowed. This is also animal product. This is milk or buttermilk or ghee. And I also love ghee. My parents were like, this is not animal abuse. So who told you this? I said, Peter told me. No, 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 this is not veganism. This is against our religion. Krishna drank this, that, blah, blah, blah. And nothing was convincing me, uh, whatever reasons they gave me. And uh, the problem was, there's not much availability of products back then. Just one brand of soya milk, which was a very powdered one and uh, I couldn't convince and that was expensive as well I was not earning member I was just studying student back then so my parents decided what comes in at home Uh, I gave up on dairy products for quite a while but then all the meals that were prepared had some sort of and I couldn't say no I couldn't resist myself and uh, I had to say yes My my father he worked for Pfizer um, and uh, he believes that uh, if we don't consume dairy, I would go malnourished, I would die probably, because I was just weighing 45, I was very thin and skinny, and uh, most of my other friends who were eating meat and animal products, uh, they were pretty much healthy, and uh, they used to tease me, mock me, that was very common in India, <laughs> so I succumbed to whatever parents told me. I started consuming dairy again with the fear of not to die of malnutrition. Mm. And uh, I couldn't say no. So I said yes. And flash forward 13 years down the line from 2004 to 2017. Now, uh, I have one year old daughter, we, me, my wife and my daughter. We were all um, trekking at uh, Bhutan, which is land of Thunder Dragons, a pristine carbon negative country. We were on a hike and I started panting. I was obese like from six, 45 kgs in 2004, I and I was about 78 kilograms. Um, and uh, I couldn't breathe in the purest nation. <laughs> when we came back, we did all the medical tests and all, and the results were out. I was pre-obese, I was pre-diabetic. I had uh, uh, thyroid issues, uh, excessive sweating, and everything that a 30-year-old man shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And uh, my father... Uh, he took me to a doctor an frcs md frcs the only appointment we got was midnight at 12 and uh, i thought wow who which doctor is working so late at night and uh, there were a lot of other patients as well similar lifestyle conditions right? non communicable diseases is what they call right And we all were facing the same problem and the doctor started writing a prescription. Usually when they write a prescription, they also write how many doses do you have to take for how many days? For example, if you have fever, take this medicine for five days and then come back with the results. Here the doctor wrote prescription, but he did not write how many number of days. So I asked this one value missing. How many days do I have to take this? He said for a lifetime.
0: Wow. And And what was the prescription for? Was it high blood pressure? Diabetes? It was
1: for thyroid. No, not for diabetes. It was pre-diabetes. So uh, not not diabetes yet, but it was for thyroid and uh, triglycerides and cholesterol and all. So and uh, I also realized that medical stores, the pharmaceuticals, were open for 24 by 7 now. And at first, I never really um, thought about it. But now I was thinking that so many people are sick. Now, India is also a capital of diabetes these days, right? And um, so before leaving the doctor's cabin, I asked, what happens if I don't consume this? If I refuse to take this medicine, he said, you would die. And that relates back to 2004. If I don't uh, consume dairy, what happens? I die. I'm still dying, but now I have a one year old daughter, I cannot die like that. And then all the slides that Peter had shown us back then about health, about environment, and uh, uh, by then global warming and all all these sustainability related news were coming in 2017. And I said, this all makes sense. So I did not say uh, no, I couldn't convince them. And I said the right, instead of uh, right kind of no, I said, wrong kind of yes, and this is giving me troubles. I went vegan overnight and uh, I was an addict of dairy products. I would agree to it. I used to- Well, they're consume- very
0: addictive. They, they have yes. casein, it's the protein molecule. So a lot of yes. people don't realize they're morphine-like substances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. supposed to make so, that big calf really love to come to its mama.
1: Absolutely. And when I declared that I am not going to consume dairy products anymore, everybody started laughing. And uh, my mother started laughing, my wife, she said, there's no way you're going to quit on dairy products. You love everything. Let's see how how long can you sustain this? So I said, okay. And I took it personally, very personally. And like every other vegan does mistakes. I ordered all the junk vegan (laughs) products, whatever brands were available, two, three, I ordered cashew milk, almond milk, Uh, oat milk wasn't there, but uh, yeah, I, I tried them out. And, uh, but suddenly I I realized all these products are not needed anymore. I could just go for plain uh, uh, regular food and not consume any plant-based milks or anything. And I would still be fine. And that's what I continued later on. I anyways never loved tea or coffee or anything like that. So that kind of addiction was not there with me, but it helped me sustain this time. And then I started reading about uh, animals as well and what kind of, Abuse or torture they go through just to keep me focused on the cause this time because I don't want to go back and fall back on that journey, and that kept me alive. And um, when my daughter was weaning off, so she she was one year old now it was her turn because my wife has started working again, and she didn't have to time to feed my daughter. And then, what milk does she go on to? Cow's milk. I said, no way that is going to happen this time. <laughs> So again, the same melodrama, Indian family, like, now, you're going to kill your daughter. So that's up to me now. I'm I'm the boss. (laughs) Back then, I didn't have choice. Now I do have. And then my daughter, yes, she was very cooperative. She used to see that daddy is drinking for something else. This is not just plain white. It has some tint or some flavor. And the packaging also looks nice. So she used to say, I want soya milk with her little tongue. She used to say, Soya milk. And then she started liking it and uh, she developed a taste for it. And my wife also observed that my daughter's health was improving with soya milk. And that was, there's no looking back. And then six, seven months down the line, uh, we were sitting at home and I was painting a t shirt, writing vegan on it. And my daughter said, Can I paint with you? And we were painting it and my wife clicked a picture of me and my daughter uh, painting it and then uh, in the backdrop you see I'll probably share this picture with you you see there's a fish tank in my house and I think I know everything about veganism my lifestyle is cruelty free and I got that fish tank in 2015 or so two years now uh, before this incident thinking that uh, it would reduce the looking at the fish. The motion reduces our blood pressure, cholesterol. Because my family runs through it, my mother has these issues as well. Um, prosperity from Feng Shui point of view, keeping fish at this particular direction brings you good luck. So my daughter asked me, "Daddy, what, like, why do we have fish in this tank?" And um, so I said, uh, "It gives so and so. It brings us good luck. It reduces our anxiety." And it helps us. My daughter is asking me, but what does it give to the fish? Ah,
0: uh, so wow. How old was she when she asked
1: you this? She was two years old.
0: Oh, <laughs> wow.
1: And I said, you are a better vegan than me. <laughs> and we we took the fish out in a bag. And then there's a pond next to my house. We released the fish in the pond. And it was a relief.
0: Oh. Yes, that's beautiful. You must have cried, you know.
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Oh. So profound, like she, she was naturally. Like children are so intuitive and so knowledgeable. We we think they don't know anything. No, they understand the world better than we do, because they are a clean slate. There's nothing written on them, right? We are no,
0: and the they, and, mind. they yeah. and they seem to be able to decipher and stay loyal among so an example just a couple weeks ago my granddaughter had a lot of congestion Mm -hmm. and they eat a fair bit of cheese and I said to her you know she's four years old and I said Hadley you know cheese isn't good for you it makes you really stuffed up and she looks at me as if to try to figure out whether I'm telling her the truth or not she looks at me really deeply and then she goes yeah but mom gives us lots of cheese so like she she can see both sides, and she's not going to judge your mom, but she also accepts my truth. So they right. seem to understand something that we we don't give them enough credit for. You do with your daughters. Um, Silesh does with yeah. his granddaughter, and as a grandmother, it's quite easy for me to see that they they can figure a lot out. They're yeah. pretty amazing. So you made a promise to your daughters about yes. veganism. In some ways, can you tell us about that?
1: Sure. Uh, yeah. So uh, me and my daughter, we used to roam a lot on the streets. And in India, uh, it's very common to see fishermen, fisherwomen having the fish and slaughtering them then and there and then packing in the polythene bags and going away. Or there's butcher shops on the uh, streets where you see cages uh, in which there are hens kept and all. And uh, I didn't realize one day we were walking by and my daughter was pulling my hand and saying, give me a phone. I said, what happened? Call the police. I said, what happened? Oh. I said, yes. So call the police. They're killing the animals in there. I said, oh, God. So uh, how do I explain her that it is out of the reach of police? But
0: so, it's not illegal. How do you it tell her that nobody
1: there is, is exactly. going
0: to stop that?
1: Yes. so Except
0: for us, personally.
1: So that was the point when I told her, it's not the job of police. They are going to come here and probably ask them to not to do so. But the moment police run away uh, for behind a thief or something like that, do some other important things, this man is going to start again. So my daughter is like, how do we stop them? So I said, it's my job. I'll I'll do it. I'll do it.
0: Okay. <laughs> Just like Sailash yes. said to Kamaya. So it's when moving. I was reading, uh, you, your pinky, job.
1: yes. So when I was reading Pinky Promise, I said this is exactly my story, just <laughs> in a different timeline. And then I wrote to Doctor Salish Rao. I made a Pinky Promise too, and uh, uh, he wrote back to me, and we had a conversation <laughs> about it. So there mm-hmm. are so many things that relate to us. And uh, in the meanwhile, uh, uh, when I came, uh, when I was. Uh, Working back in India, I heard this word sustainability a lot of times from my customers, from my clients. We used to make uh, a lot of animated videos for for our customers, training videos. And uh, I used to see that they are very much keen into zero liquid discharge or net zero or sustainability. Behind the scenes, I know they are not because I used to go with the camera. I have all the documented footages about it. But this stuck to me that, okay, there's something called a sustainability and uh, i could do something with it i moved when i moved to uk i had good time i was taking care of my daughters and uh, also uh, once they started going back to school i had free time to think about what do i what would be my next step in my career and uh, i said why not put our logic before our senses the taste and vis- see and uh hear and all so what do we do We listen to ads and jingles. We uh, taste certain food. We look at the graphics and uh, we decide what to buy, right? But we never consider the implications of our purchase, of our buying capacity on the environment or the other species around us. So we need to apply logic before sense. So that's when I registered a company called Logic Sense Limited. And I said, okay, now I have to do something related to veganism. But if I use the word vegan, all the corporates are going to run away. So what is it that we could do? So I said, let's use sustainable nutrition for that. <laughs> and that's how, and C stands for compassion or community. So that's how SyncUp was formed. And UP UP stands for universal platform. And uh, my daughters, they, they uh, whenever now we go out for shopping, uh, they can read labels and uh, they can see if a product is vegan or not. But then how do I explain sustainability to them? So I told them, you remember we went to a beach? I said, yes. And then while walking, there was a you know, plastic wrapper under your feet. I said, yes, it was disgusting. Someone ate and threw it away. So what happens to those wrappers? So uh, she said, uh, I don't know, we should throw it. Where? In the bin. Where does it go after the bin? Uh, I don't know. Someone takes it. The garbage person, I mean, the one who comes to collect it, take him, take it. And uh, okay, what happens then? No idea what happens. So I said They put it all on a ship and put it in the ocean. And when the ocean waves come back, they, they are going coming back under your feet. So if you want to buy this product, although it says it is vegan, you will realize 30 years later that you were a, a small little kid uh, and you purchase this product and 30 years later you find it under your feet because plastic will never degrade although the product is vegan or not vegan doesn't matter anymore you should think what does it give to my body is it healthy is it nutritious or is it going to harm my body that is called sustainability and well that is okay i understand so now i don't have to drag my kids from any Aisle that has toys or uh, sweets or anything—they just understand it is not sustainable. So when I grow up, if I'm yeah, so I I told them that this is this is what big people do now uh, at offices. We work for five days, and on the sixth day, we go to beach for cleaning up all the mess that we have done. (laughs) I won't do that. I wouldn't like to do that. I didn't do the mess. I won't clean it. (laughs) So. But that, is, that is how it works right now. So saying a right kind of no is better than saying a wrong kind of yes. So my wife used to say, okay, you ate chocolates for a long time and now you're refusing your daughters to eat. She so said, yes, it is not needed anymore. For some time, yes, as a treat or a birthday or something like that, yes, you could have a cheat day, but it is not something that is giving you nutritional value. And uh, if you see my daughters eating, they will eat a huge bowl of salad or uh, carrots or cucumbers. And whenever we go out on any trip or a picnic, like all we have to do is carry some raw fruits, raw veggies. And they would just while walking, they'll grab a carrot and start eating, singing and dancing. And all the people are like, wow, where other people (laughs) are, uh, where other children are sucking on the lollipops or (laughs) ice creams or something like that that's the difference yeah. well that's um,
0: beautiful because my granddaughter is like that if if she has fresh food in front of her that's what yeah. she chooses fruit and and all the things that aren't packaged are the best for us so to go grab a papaya from the market and some oranges and whatever else is at the market fresh a bag full of fresh food and yeah that's what kids love kids are mono mono eaters, they love one thing at a time. And you yes. know, my granddaughter loves an apple cut up or, mm-hmm. or uh, a piece of fruit. And so thank you for that. Thank you for sinking yeah. <laughs> the nutrition with the sustainability, because often people will have a lot of what they call transitional foods, where they'll slip into the junk food veganism. And I'm not going to tell you I don't eat chocolate, but I make my own. And I do it sustainably, Mm. because there's a lot of children that are eating, that are working in these chocolate sweat shops, like a lot of child labor throughout the Ivory Coast that are making the chocolate. So the thing is, we need to be super conscious if we're going to purchase anything other than going to the market grabbing a papaya the fruit the vegetables that grow so abundant in certain parts now you're in Scotland now is that yes. correct yes. so it's you don't have the same access to fresh fruit as you would have in
1: i do have uh, in, yeah, not compared to India, but uh, we are a part of community garden where we have 40 members and probably an acre of land. And we grow all sort of fruits and vegetables in there. And my daughters go harvest it, we collect it, weigh it, and then we eat it then and there. So, raspberries, strawberries, figs, pig, pear, apples, everything grows in there. Rhubarbs, courgettes, I think mean, zucchini is called in the US, right? Uh, cauliflowers spinach coriander everything grows in there tomatoes oh that's beautiful everything together and we harvest so it's every wednesday and sunday that we go in to our little farm and we harvest things yeah so it's hands-on experience so they they get to learn a lot
0: (laughs) well that's perfect so you're an artist and you're you're building an app right now and to allow people to have a deeper connection with sustainability and nutrition, uh, sync. And you're going to do a lot of the inputting, the writing, and that the the art. I'm assuming I'm also an artist. I love doing art. I actually just did a new painting for climate healers for the grandmothers. I have it right Ooh, here. Wow, great! I. I do a lot of watercolor, so this is, I have to get it off of my, uh, right now I have it on, I have my, my screen on blur, so I have to okay. get that off just because I have my kitchen background here. Wow,
1: your so, are uh, so lovely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they're quite beautiful. I'm just going to go on and get my blur off, my background blur. Okay. Yeah, so here is my grandmothers, the three grandmothers in the moon I painted the other day. I love I love just sitting and being quiet with what what the canvas tells me and I tell my partner I'm always so excited to be able to take something white and turn it into something beautiful. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your your app and maybe you know maybe I can help you with some of your art at some point if you'd like. That would be
1: great. The be grandmothers great.
0: would love to have a piece <laughs> on there and one of the things that um I was going to hopefully get going in the next little bit because I would like to have a contest for the World Women's Vegan Summit is going to be in L.A. this year. And our community, Climate Healers, has a really large community in L.A. And I'm hoping to come and represent the grandmothers. And one of the things I was thinking about is to encourage people to take their favorite dish that their grandmother made and veganize it and bring it. And we'll have a contest for the best. We'll have a taste testing at my booth, the grandmother's booth, and maybe a couple other grandmothers will come. There's a few in LA area. Mm-hmm. And we will have a contest and veganize our foods. So that would be a great thing to see on the app. The nutrition of the different cultures veganized our favorite dishes that our grandmothers made veganized.
1: Yes, that would be lovely. Yes, it is possible to veganize so many recipes. So most of my relatives, they think that my wife is compromising um, after going vegan. But it is not true. In fact, we have veganized every Indian recipe. Mm-hmm. And and my daughters, they love it. I love it. I have eaten. My da- daughters haven't tasted the non-vegan version. But yes, I have. And I don't find any difference. We are not uh, losing on anything. It is possible to veganize. And in fact, my parents were here uh, to stay with us for three months and they were amazed. Sure, this is not vegan. I said, yes, this is, this is, this is vegan. Uh, we made some cookies and uh, gave it to our vegan friends. And even my vegan friends are asking, is this surely vegan? <laughs> I said, yes, this is vegan. It is possible. Yes, we can veganize this we- about up, what I would like to say is here, uh, I did a lot of uh, street activism, animal rights and sustainability or climate related, and I was always into a listening mode. So I was listening to what kind of reasons do people give for consuming animal products. And um, I draw down to a conclusion that people are not aware of problems that animals face because of us. They don't know it is unnecessary in the first place they don't have the options or they don't have the knowledge that if we don't consume this then what do we consume or where do we get our nutrition from and the fourth aspect is about inconvenience right to to get something which is not regular or not available at my local store because it has been marketed that way there's a demand for these products right and uh, I said I have to change this. And to change this, I first need to create awareness about it. So how do I do that? I have to reach masses. How? Where do I find these lot of people? At companies, because everybody works and everybody eats. And mm. companies, what problem do they have? So they have to reduce their uh, carbon footprint. Right. Each company has declared their net zero goals or uh, sustainability goals. I so said, why not take this sustainability aspect, combine it with health and well-being and nutrition and build an application that talks about malnutrition and obesity and um, gamify it. My, as an artist, I write stories. Right? So tell people stories about what happens in here, how a family decides to go vegan. Um, is it because of health reason that they face? Is it because of uh, ethical reasons? And now they are facing challenges in going vegan, which I am expecting the learners would go through. And we tell through stories. Okay, they discovered this. Um, They discovered how to eat a rainbow, then which color represents what chemicals or what um, nutrient value, right? And how much do we need really? Do we need so much or do we need less? Each body type is different. Each season is different, right? There are foods which are available in the spring, in the winter, and in the summer. And there is a reason behind that. You're supposed to consume locally and seasonally. Why? There's a reason behind it. And all this affects our body. Whatever we put in affects our body. So this is what we need to tell people through stories. That is is what SyncUp is doing now. So I'm building an application that is, you can say, an e-learning platform. But... Uh, For the corporates, it is also providing an impact dashboard. Because what is the benefit that the corporates would get? They could say, we trained thousands of employees. At day one, they were at this particular goal. It is a quest. So uh, even my domain is sink.quest. Sustainability or nutrition is not something that you do on one day and forget it the next day. There's something new that we discover every day like a quest. So users would des- decide on their quest, okay, so I have to gain weight or I have to reduce my weight. I have to reduce my uh, footprint, so I need to reduce my trash, maybe kitchen waste, food waste, or just in general, any waste that I generate throughout the day. So on day one, if I say I, ha- I generated uh, 12 bags in a month, so what happens six months down the line? I have probably reduced it from 10 to 7. So, still, I have reduced three bags. And this is what the corporates would be interested in, right? So, the waste reduced or um, health aspect gain. So, maybe 1,000 employees and uh, 100 employees are taking sick leaves. So the number of sick leaves, although it is um, paid sick leave, but still, there is a loss in business. But what happens when you improve on your health? The sick leaves go down, the mental health, the well being, overall factors. Uh, are doing good, your business is doing good. This is what the impact dashboard will do. It will give clear instructions to the corporate see, this is what uh, SyncUp does for your customers. And for economy, particularly uh, with respect to UK, uh, here we import at least say 40% of the food from outside. And whenever there is say external factors like war or any climate or any flood in other country, not in UK, but still it affects the food. There's shortage of food in here. And there has to be resilience in this food systems. What do we do? We have good amount of land available, but all of it is being used. Most of it is being used for grazing animals and raising animals. We can grow food. I have a working community garden in here and we grow all sorts of food in here. So creating this demand for people first to understand why to eat local, why to eat seasonal, And then encouraging them to form their own community, not on syncup. Syncup is just to boost your morale or tell you that this is possible. But get out of your house, speak to your colleagues, speak to your neighbors, form community gardens, write to your municipal corporations and tell them we need an allotment. We need to experiment this. What would go wrong? You either grow, it would go bad. Try it again. That is what everybody does, right? And there's a different level of satisfaction in growing your own food. This is what I'm trying to do with SYNCUP. So there are different modules, there are psychologists, nutritionists, there is um, sustainability experts like Dr. selesh Rao, who will be talking on SYNCUP. So it's, it's a mind blowing project, it's a big project, and I don't see why it would not succeed.
0: <laughs> oh, this is great. And when do you think you'll have SYNCUP finished?
1: So I recently started working on it, just uh, two, three months down the line. Um, There's a huge investment which is required and I'm preparing for grants because I don't have that kind of funding available in here. So at the moment, uh, we are bootstrapping. So everything that me and my colleagues are doing, uh, there's a nutritionist involved, there's a CTO involved, there's a doctor involved in here. Uh, We need some artists also to design the graphics, right? So uh, we are bootstrapping our efforts, creating a prototype or as they call it in the tech world, minimum viable product MVP. And we'll be rolling it out for say 100 users, take a feedback from them, what is working out, what to be improved. So it's like a software production cycle. And based on that, we would restart the implementation of this project, probably an year or so, because there's a huge amount of data that we have to process it. Right. But we'll be rolling it out in phase-wise manner, maybe uh, with 10 modules at first, um, include some local information, then add some more modules, add some more features. So it's going to be an ongoing process.
0: That sounds amazing. And I could um, connect you with some people in Canada who have really started up a very large organic movement so not just organic but veganic is the way of the future no animal inputs whatsoever and i'm sure your community gardens are that way Um, but it is a very important movement a lot of people know about organic but the upcoming piece of that is going to be veganic. veganic veganic gardening yeah yeah veganic lifestyle and i would love to uh help you with microgreens and jar sprouts. I live in Canada. So as you can see outside here, there's lots of snow. And I uh-huh. don't know if you from here. From so I do a lot of jar sprouting and microgreens. And okay. that's another thing that's really sustainable to teach people is that indoors, you can, with even one grow light in the winter, you can grow mm-hmm all of your jar sprouts, your microgreens, your herbs. And I think what we're gonna to start to see is the emergence of tower indoor tower gardens, which yes. can be made actually very sustainably with, with um, recycled material. And that's something that maybe you and I could talk about down the road. Absolutely, I
1: would love to have a quote on that, yes.
0: Yeah, I would love to start. I I, I see a lot of these tower gardens. And I think with a really simple pump, they could be made with all reusable material very easily. There's so much stuff going into the landfill site here in Canada. We're very wasteful, very, mm-hmm. very wasteful. And, you know, it was interesting. My granddaughter wanted to have an art day yesterday. Okay. She loves doing art with me. And I was cleaning out a bunch of areas and everything. I, I have an early childhood background. And then I went on to... Um, do body work. So I do a lot of somatic work with people and I, and it gives me an opportunity to talk about their diet and how that would affect um, you know, their body and how that works. And then I went on to um, get a master's in plant-based nutrition, oh, uh, wow. California. And I was thinking when you're talking about rainbow food is the doctor, one of the main doctors I study with Dr. Gabriel Cousins and he wrote a book called Rainbow Green Live Cuisine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you'd love that book. Anyways, it was just—it was such an honor to study with him because it was—it was called spiritual nutrition. It was a master's in spiritual nutrition, and it's making that link between what we eat. And how, easy, how much easier we can connect with our spirit, with God, and, and our, our dharma, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to connect with our dharma when we're all clogged up with dairy. All our nadis are clogged up with dairy and, and fear and death and suffering. And okay. I think about when you uh, talk about your partner, your wife, saying that she um, feels she's compromising. Well, you know, I think the thing is, as a mother, I think when she just can wrap her head around the fact that, She's not because she's not partaking in all those little baby calves being taken away yeah. from the mother, and so there's no compromise anymore. It's it's a it's um it's just a gift giving. It's saying every baby belongs with their mother,
1: right? Yes. So my wife she went vegan about four years ago, a little more than four years ago, and then she was pregnant with the second one, Shravni, and uh, she realized. That yes, this is a bond between me and my baby that I'm feeding. Uh-huh. right? And what am I doing? I'm consuming cow's milk. And by that time I was quite rooted in veganism, uh, I was not forcing up. I was forcing, but uh, Which- I had given up hopes. <laughs> but then, and then I also kind of created a contract. So this new baby that is coming out has to be pure vegan. <laughs> so, uh, born, vegan, born vegan. And uh, Sh- sharvari the elder one, she was two years, two and a half years old. And she was vegan with me. And my wife started feeling the same now. She started feeling left out. And it was nothing but pure addiction for tea and coffee <laughs> that was there. And when Shrami started growing up after six months, she started that, yes, my sister is drinking something different. And she started with soya milk as well. She never had cow milk. And my wife had to transition as well. So it just happened, yes. And once we are pushed into it or once we decide that we have to go this way, we find all sort of adaptations. We find all the sort of solutions. Solutions are there. We we are modern human beings. It's just that casually when we take, we say that, "No, no, no, we are cavemen, but no, we are not cavemen anymore. Look around us. We cannot live without uh, wearing a fancy footwear or fancy clothes and all. We cannot live without phones and Wi-Fi and internet. No, we are not cavemen any longer. There are tons of resources available. We can access them, choose a better lifestyle.
0: Well, it's like Silash says: we're either going to come willingly, and because we've awakened, we've we are we believe in human, we believe in heal, which stands for human, earth, and animal liberation, or we're going to come kicking and screaming. But we're all going to have to change if we're going to stay here. And I believe we're going to stay here. I believe the awakening is upon us. Thank yes. you so much for your time today. Any final Can thoughts, I, words yes. you would like to say? Yes.
1: There's one more topic I would like to about so it's uh an essay contest susan taylor's essay contest and right. uh, uh, i have written about doing spreading goodness with business okay so this this talks about a situation in 2050 where the world is vegan and now we have to talk about what different did we do in 2024 to see a vegan world so here's my version of it Great. Yes, we did it. Proved that we are superior and most adaptable species on the planet. But this time by embracing and not by endangering other lives. We always had the right tools, but they were at wrong settings. Year 2024 was when a handful of us came together and formed a strong fist. The first finger was honesty we realized filters work better when applied on the mind rather than the photographs. So I'm referring to Socrates three question filter. The information, whatever that I'm going to say, is it true? What am I going to say? Is it a good thing? And what I, what I do really want to say is it needed and is it useful to the person that I'm saying? These are the three questions, most important ones. We accepted that image building was important than image editing and started applying this filter technique. Most of the frivolous talks that we do have stopped. Conversations started getting meaningful. People started sounding profound. The war problem was solved. And unanimously, we agreed that the greedy rich shall no longer to be served. The second finger was harmony and symbiosis. We were struggling for food. Our species were fragile, hungry, and highly dependent on other species. Only this time for regeneration and not for consumption. The man-made biodiversity loss, disappearance of species powered by greedy ones was affecting every one of us. Only smart way tackling that was to turn to the voiceless animals. Apologize to them. We accepted the fact that our world is theirs too. Thanks to the image building, we started extending compassion to all species instead of just restricting to selective ones. The third finger, I would like to show it like this. Third finger for the (laughs) rights. (laughs) The greedy became needy. The rich ones until then proudly showed their middle finger on those who were talking about peace and shutting them up. Non-cooperation movement from working class made the richest realize and say instead, help us please, we shall give you the right. Give you the right. Okay. The oppressed now politely said, since you are only a few up there talking from the dark sky, why don't you come down instead and we can start off from the ground again tonight. Our influencers learned to bow down, ask the oppressed ones for forgiveness. Thus, the entire community agreed on humility. Fourth finger was ecology. We were successful at starting the healing machine once the killing machine had stopped, like Dr. Salishra says. We started eating plants and planting trees. Restored balance, maintained health of our people and our and the planet. Mother Nature started taking over, but she was injured and couldn't do it alone. She needed our help. The fifth finger was economy. We used human power to demolish this infrastructure, the artificial one, the factories, the farms that we had raised. We employed people to restore nature, planting trees. We deployed them on site to build wildlife sanctuaries instead of zoo and aquariums and pay them and we pay people to take care of the voiceless instead of paying them to slaughter them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We raised, we realized our economy can still grow and generate jobs to restore the nature. So in 2024, we underwent a behavior change and transformed ourselves. In 2024, A turning tide began. A few united souls formed a powerful clan. Honesty stood tall. Socrates' filter applied truth for all. Frivolous talks ceased. Conversations turned sweet. Climate to be healed. Everyone repeats. Image building worked. Empathy grew. Compassion extended to all, not just a few. Profound voices echoed. War was no more. The rich greedy agreed, their reign was over. Cooperation replaced oppression's might. Forgiveness sought humility in the light. Oppressed voices echoed, come down from your height. Let's start anew, restore what's right. Biodiversity loss made a man-made plight. We turn to the voiceless creatures sharing their plight. Balancing balance being restored and health regained, Mother Nature was healing, but helps she retained. Consumerist transformed, conservationist stood, extravagance replaced by a minimalist mood. Stress gave way to sweet relief, laziness defeated by an active belief. Human powered dismantled the old, restoring nature a story retold confusion subsided confidence grew deficiency turned to sufficiency a breakthrough a tale of change a journey success for we are the architects in goodness we express jobs for restoration growth with green a thriving economy a planet serene every region has same religion humanity restored peace it feels divine Abundance of fruits are here, now available in a punnet. Punnet is a British English word for a basket. Abundance of fruits are here, now available in a punnet. We no longer aim to visit any other rocky planet. Now in 2050, a transformed sphere, goodness in business, a mantra to adhere. So that's a little essay and poem that I wrote
0: beautiful thank you for that yeah i'm interviewing uh, suzanne next week on a podcast about these yeah. essays and uh that's that's beautiful i i love the fist analogy and the fingers and because our hands you know this is what will heal the world is our hands and i wrote a poem it's very interesting i wrote a poem at the end of my essay that i'm still working on, your essay is just completely beautiful about a a story I wrote about the grandmothers coming together. And and I'm not gonna read the whole essay, but I'll read you the very end of it about the grandmothers coming together. And I said, they kept bringing people home, back home. The people kept coming, more and more of us are remembering our caretaker roles. We're remembering that we're people of compassion, of fierce love and protective wisdom. We fell to our knees and begged the animals and earth for forgiveness, as you said, yeah. asking how may we heal your forests and gleans? Deep inside our saddened hearts, the awakening is upon us. Never before on planet earth has there been such a force to be reckoned with, a power of infinite love that resounds through the canyons and grottos. And the grandmother's vibration of liberation is upon us all. We are arriving. By the year 2050, the prophecy was known to us as the lighthouses. Oh. We became lighthouses, the kind that cut through all mist and grief so dense, even foghorns cannot sound. Now made in the likeness of a tree, the kind that builds chlorophyll light and shades of ruta community swirling and dancing of rustling leaves, like water baptizing the poplar woods of morning beckoning, of sienna reds and ringing ancient cedars that have laid down their grief beside their tied root families, in resting compost saplings from hundreds of years ago, now new mycelium dances into the forever microbial bath running away Downstream with our melting eyes of tears of joy and relief as the grandmothers rise the feminine divine world of 2050.
1: Wow. I love how you took the mycelium into consideration as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. Mm-hmm. Namaste. Namaste.
1: Namaste.
0: Weekend. Oh, <laughs> thank you